Welcome to the Inez Franklin Teaching and Sermons Podcast. Inez is a teaching pastor, public speaker, and founder at trochia.org. Learn more about Inez at www.inezfranklin.com. We hope this teaching brings you guidance, connection, or tools as we seek God together today. Enjoy the teaching. that we're going to look in today. We've been on this series on the book of Ephesians, and we've been learning about our identity. And today, Paul takes us into a shift, and it's going to be one of those uh, mind benders. You know, you'll see. You'll understand. I-, I was looking at this week and looking at preaching this message, and I thought, man, Paul puts so much wisdom, so much great information, uh, that it's hard to come up with a sermon that's just 30 minutes long. So I'm going to pray for God to lead this time so that it it speaks to us clearly. Uh, But listen to the passage. We're going to anchor our time together today. It's out of Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22 to 24. Listen to these words. You are taught with regard to your former way of life, to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Heavenly Father, as we look at your word today, we look at Paul's words, written by the Apostle Paul while he was in prison, in chains for the gospel. Lord, you inspired these words through Paul that we might today live differently because of your truths. So Lord, our our hearts are to hear your voice. Our desire is to experience your presence. Would you, Father, move in this place? Would you be the one to speak into our hearts and our minds? Would you make clear anything that seems confusing? And would you change our lives ever so more to become more and more like your son, simply because we made time to be with you? We thank you, Lord. We want to hear from you. Your children are listening. Speak, O oh God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Did you know that there are many products created today built and designed for obsolescence, meaning that they were designed and created to break down, to last only a certain period of time. And most of us who carry a cell phone are very familiar with that, right? That you you get the new cell phone, it's awesome, it does these great things, but if you uh, don't upgrade it, um, at least within a couple of upgrades, your phone suddenly starts working slower. The new version comes out and everything's fine, but then these upgrades happen on our phone and before we know it, our battery doesn't last, you know, the phones break, you know, are breaking down and we have to go and buy the new one. This concept of built-in obsolescence has one benefit and that is that we get all kinds of newer things. There's innovation, right? That's a good thing, but At the same time, built-in obsolescence creates a challenge for us. You know, it started in the 1900s, in 1901, with the light bulb. The original light bulb uh, was created to last for hundreds of thousands of hours. And this, uh, there's actually one today in San Jose still burning since 1901. 
Isn't that amazing? But the light bulb company realized, hey, if we have this kind of a product, no one's going to buy light bulbs much. So let's change it up. And they designed the light bulb to only last 1,000 hours. Today, they last more like 22,000 hours, but still not hundreds of thousands of hours, right? And that strategy went on with all kinds of products. Obviously, our phones, our washing machines, our fax machines, our printers. How often we have to replace these things within three to five years, right? And the challenge with built-in obsolescence is that while it brings in innovation, and that is good, it also produces a great deal of trash. And it's hard on our environment. It produces so many things that we have to throw away that don't break down quite so easily. And our little delicate earth, in a way, is paying the price. I just read an article this morning that China is no longer receiving our trash. We have to figure out a way to recycle it. And that only 7% of things that can be recycled are being recycled. So built-in obsolescence has its downside. And our earth is created not to be obsolete, not to break down. We know that the earth was created by God. You know, scientists today, they're getting smarter. They're realizing that there is such a thing as an intelligent designer. More and more scientists are starting to realize this is so complex. There's no way the earth came together by chance. That is consistent with the Bible. Welcome to the club, guys. <laughs> Genesis 1.1 said that in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. We see in Job and in Psalm and in Isaiah that God alone stretches out the heavens as a tent. We see in Job 26 where it says, God stretched out the north over the empty space and he hangs the earth upon nothing. Isn't that amazing? And in Jeremiah, we're told that God made the earth by his power, and he established the world by his wisdom. And again, he stretched out the heavens by his understanding. The world, uni the universe, life was created by God. But was it built to break down? Was it built with an obsolescence? Did God create this earth to break down as the things that we own? No, he did not. He created the earth, the world, the universe, you and I, for an eternal existence with him. But here's a challenge. I think it's embedded in our humanness that we do break things down because the very first thing that happened is that God gave Adam and Eve a garden with all that they could have or need or want. Every kind of fruit is represented in the garden saying, all that you need is right here. And you will be in the presence and in relationship with God for eternity. But there's only one rule. Now, you know, we have all kinds of rules, right? How many rules do we live with today? Thousands. They were given but one rule. Don't eat for that one tree. And what did they do? They ate. It's not about stealing a fruit. It's about essentially disobeying God and saying, God, I know better. You see, sin enters into the world when we essentially separate from God and we don't, we don't hold true all that is true about, about him, that he is good, that he is loving, that he is all-powerful, and that we need him for our existence. When humanity made that decision, then now our 
existence essentially shifted to that of a built-in obsolescence. That's why you and I will one day physically die. But God did not want to leave it that way. God wanted us to be in eternal relationship with him. And so he put in place a plan which Jesus fulfilled that we would, through Jesus, have not built in obsolescence, but have the promise of eternal life with him. Yes. Thank you, Jesus. Absolutely. No longer would we be subject to death. Now, obviously, our bodies still decay. We still obviously experience death, but not death forever. It's a temporary death because we're promised a new body, one that will not perish, and we're promised an eternal uh, existence with our Creator. That is who we are. And as we have been studying the book of Ephesians, Paul's letter written from prison to the church in Ephesus, all first three chapters was Paul reminding the people This is who you are. You are designed to be in eternal relationship with your heavenly father. And he tells them, you must change the way you think. It starts with the way that we think. He shifts this part of the letter from chapter 4 onward. He gets very practical, but he begins by saying, all right, the very first thing you have to change is your mind. Because your mind is a powerful tool. You know that, right? Have you ever heard this? I'll, I'll explain it this way to you for demonstration. Imagine for a moment that I brought a table right here, and I, I went to my garden, which I happen to have these, uh, Myers uh, lemons. And I mean, I have lots of them, so if you need any, just, hey, check with me later. I'll bring you some. But these are like big lemons, and they're sour, but they're also sweet. So they're quite a, they're a combination between lemon and orange, and they're really delicious. And so imagine I brought one of these beautiful lemons here right now, and I put a cutting board on my table, and a nice little cutting board made out of wood. I got my sharp knife, and I cut through that lemon ever so carefully and take it into two halves. And one of the halves, you can see the, the liquid sort of starting to come out, the juices from the lemon coming out, and almost like that aroma of the lemon. And I hand it over to you and have you take a lick of it, take a bite of it. How many of you already have a watery mouth? <laughs> right? I have no such, there are no lemons here, guys. By simply talking about it, By putting those thoughts in our mind, look how our physiology has changed. Now, if you don't like lemons, it probably didn't work for you. Practice it with bacon or something, something you like. (laughs) The point is, our minds are powerful. And Paul wants to begin by getting us to rethink, rethink our identity, to understand in our minds so that all that we do comes through that. And so he tells us, put off the old self, put on the new self. And he's giving us this picture. And I want you to know that the word put off and the word put on, the verbs behind these, in English, we cannot capture it. But in the Greek, it's actually a a verb in an aorist tense. And that tense means it's already happened. It's already been taken off. But it's also this sense of like, keep putting it off. 
So it's complex, guys. I mean, this is a tough sermon for me to give you because this is one of those things where it's here, but not yet. So yes, put off. It's been already taken off, but you've got to keep, keep it off. You have to put it on. It's already been put on, but you have to keep it on. Get it? Paul is saying, change the way you think. Change your mind. He says, to be made new in the attitude of your mind. It's already been done, but you must renew the way you think. In Romans 12, Paul puts it this way. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by what? The renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. And so we, Paul gives us this recipe, which is essentially get rid of toxic thoughts, put on the right thoughts, repeat. Get rid of the old, put on the new, repeat. Keep this mindset all of the time because you have been made new. You are a new creation. That's right. Thank you, Jesus, for that. The, verse 17 says this. So I tell you this, and I insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. Now, let me pause for a second, because if you read Paul's letters on a regular basis, you're going to notice something. Sometimes Paul says, I say this, not I, but the Lord. And then sometimes Paul says, I say this, not the Lord, but I. In other words, sometimes Paul says, I'm talking to you right now as your pastor. Sometimes Paul says, I'm talking to you right now as the messenger of Jesus Christ. And these words come from the Lord himself. So listen to these words as though Jesus was saying them. You must no longer live as the Gentiles do. And he says, what is wrong with them? They, they are futile in the way that they think. And the Gentiles in this language, again, the Greek word is ethos, which is where we get our language for ethnic or ethnicities. And it's representing a group of people. What is it about this group of people? This group of people thinks the wrong way. And then Paul gives us a picture of how they think. These are the old way of thinking. Verse 18 says, they are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardening of their hearts. So they are ignorant in the way that they think. They have a hardened heart and therefore they are separated from God. And then he tells us they, that beyond self-care, they are self-absorbed. In verse 19, Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed. That's the old self. Ignorant, hardened heart, self-absorbed. That's the old self. Put off the old self. Put on the new. Now, I've been a believer for 15 years. I became a believer at 40. Now you know my age. <laughs> Didn't mean to do that. But I have a clear picture of my life before I became a believer and after. Like, you and I can sit down over a cup of coffee, and I can tell you some stories of the things and the way that I used to think before I became a believer, and you would go, oh, wow, there is a big difference, Inez, between how you were before you became a believer and who you are today. 
There's a, there's a remarkable difference. When you meet someone who has just accepted Jesus in a recent time, you can tell that something has changed in them, and they can't help but talk about it. But if you've been a believer all your life, like maybe, maybe you were one of those people who were like, you were born in a Christian home, you heard the gospel at a young age, maybe at four years old, you said yes to Jesus, and you've been living it out that way. For you, it may be a little hard to picture the old self. Because in your mind, well, I've been a Christian all my life. I've been the new thing all my life. But here's the thing. Paul, I think, had both of us in mind. Because on the one hand, those of us who know the difference between the old and the new, we tend to forget. We tend to think we're still back in our old ways. And for those who believe they've been a Christian all their lives, they beat themselves up because they think, I should be a lot further than I am. How come I'm still struggling? How come I'm still doing these things? I should be better than this. Anybody suffer with that? But here's the thing that Paul wants us to remember. The old way of thinking, what he calls the old way of thinking, is that which is separated from God. Right? Separated from God, we cannot please him. Listen to uh, Romans 8, 7 and 8. He says, the mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It cannot please God. Why would we want to put on that old self? Why would we want to take that on for ourselves? As I look at it in my own life, I think, why would I want to take on the old behaviors that I used to do? Why would I go back there? That's no longer who I am. Paul says, don't go back there. That's not who you are. You have been transformed. You have been made new through the truth of Jesus Christ. Paul says it in verse 21. You heard about Christ and you were taught in him in accordance to the truth that is in Jesus. Listen, you have been given the truth, the information you need to know that you are now a new creation. You're no longer the old. In 1 John, John puts it beautifully. He says this, we know also that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding, a new way of thinking, so that we may know him who is true. And we are in him who is true by being in his Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. See, now when we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we are built to last. We have been created for eternity. The best picture I can think of is the picture of a Ford truck. Isn't that one of their taglines? Built to last. But this idea, if we have been redesigned so that we will build and be, be with God for eternity. Psalm 103 says this, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. God looks at you and he sees his brand new creation built to last. You are not built for obsolescence. You are built to last for eternity by God whose grace is new every morning. Mercy upon mercy upon mercy. God is seeing you as brand spanking new shiny and beautiful and righteous and holy. Does that not humble you? It does me when I think about it. Before I believe or I did all kinds of stuff I'm not proud of. 
And I could describe myself. I can take a minute here and give you a list of words you would describe for me back then. And they're not pretty. And once in a while, when I do something along those lines, I tend to forget I'm a new creation. Like if I'm having lunch with a friend and, you know, they start talking about someone and all of a sudden I find myself like, oh my goodness, I'm gossiping. I leave that lunch and I go, oh, I just feel like I just went backwards. Like I'm out now gossiping. Has that happened to you? Or you like, you say, you, you lie about something. You go, what am I doing? I'm not a liar. But you know what the enemy would want us to? He wants us to put on the old self. He wants us to take that as our identity. Oh, remember, you were a liar. You're still a liar. You'll always be a liar. But is that true? Okay, let's say that like we mean it. Is that true? No. No, our identity does not change. It's remarkable. God has paid for our past sins, our present sins, our future sins through the blood of his son. Now, does that mean we should go on sinning, Paul says? No. There's a penalty. There's a consequence to sin. It brings damage to ourselves. It damages others. But as children of God, it does not change our identity. And so there's no reason to put on that old self way of thinking. We, make, we say one lie, for example, a little lie, a big lie. We do something that we know is wrong. We ask God for his mercy. His forgiveness has already been given, and we turn from our ways. But we never change the fact that we have been made new. And at the same time, we're being made new. Because listen, none of us has arrived. None of us can say, oh, by the way, I look just like Jesus. Can you tell? (laughs) We don't. don't, We're not quite there. We're a work in process, right? Slowly, little by little, being made more and more like Jesus. But make no mistake, you're a new creation. Paul wrote this in 2 Corinthians. He says, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. You are a new creation. I think that's worth pausing on. I think we need to just take a minute and just, just think about that for a second. You're a new creation. Think about that. It's hard sometimes to put on this new way of being and believing that that's exactly how God designs us to be. You know, in in the mission um, rescue centers, there's a special room where they bring in the person who perhaps hasn't taken a bath for many days, if not weeks. And maybe they come with lice and all kinds of bacteria in their body. And so they take everything off, and those clothes are discarded and burnt. Then the person is given a good bath and washed their hair, and then new clothes are put on them. So they may now go back. And here's the beautiful picture of this. They leave clean. The clean person has been given clean clothes. They still go out into a world that's dirty, right? But they're made clean. That's you and I. Through Jesus Christ, we were made clean. We live in a world that is still broken. Therefore, we have temptations. 
Therefore, we have all kinds of things that come at us, but make no mistake, you've already been made new. There's no reason to go back to the old. And every time we take, we do something with our new nature, it reminds us of who we are. It reminds others whose we are. And it encourages and it builds up others in a good way, right? And so look at the list that Paul gives us of the new creation. In fact, Paul is amazing. You know, if you, if you read his letters over and over again, you're going to find he repeats himself a lot. And that's a good thing because there are certain things we need to hear over and over again. In Galatians, he gives us a list of the fruit of the Spirit, a long list of words that tells us this is what God does when he makes you new. Here he does it in a slightly different way, but it still connects. First, he says, put off falsehood and speak truthfully. In other words, be love others. Don't be a false person. Don't be fake. Don't lie, but tell the truth. Speak truth to one another because we're part of one body. That's what the new nature looks like. Secondly, he says, in your anger, do not sin. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. Now listen, by Paul saying this, he's not saying that anger is wrong. You know that anger is usually what we might express, but it's really, there's another emotion behind it. Often we might experience anger or put out anger, but what's really happening in our heart is disappointment or fear or rejection right? Or a sense of justice. So anger in itself says something to us. Okay, something just struck us hard. But when we don't self-control, when we don't deal with what's behind the anger, name the emotion behind it, then we are led towards bitterness, towards a vindictive kind of action where we want to just kick back whoever came at us. Now, you know, I've told you I'm Puerto Rican, so I'm like a, a wild cat. This is how I grew up. If, if I got attacked, I was like on the corner, I'd be like, Aah! I'm straight to kick right back. I was changed. God has changed me. And in my new nature, I hold back. When I feel angry, I go, okay, Inez, what's the emotion? What's behind this? Why are you so worked up? Let's deal with that before just reacting and hurting the other. That's the nature of the new person. Gentleness. I'm sorry, goodness. Anyone who has been stealing must no longer steal, but instead share with one another. The new nature is not self-absorbed, but it's absorbed on others and being good to others. Not that we don't take care of ourselves, we should, but at the same time, we are to care for one another. In fact, you're going to notice all of these new things about us are others focus rather than self-focus. Because when we love others, right, when we act in self-control, when we act in goodness, when we are gentle, which he tells us, do not let any wholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only that which is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Our words have power. How we speak unto others it can encourage them, it can strengthen them, it can comfort them. But if our words are critical and judgmental and angry, right? Those words don't build up. That's the old nature. That's not who we are anymore. Put off the old self. Put on these new things. 
And then faithfulness. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. You know what the Holy Spirit's doing? Once it's been done, Jesus already paid the price for us. He's already working on us to become more and more like him. But the Holy Spirit is constantly working. So it's a done and not yet done. And the thing about it is when we go back to our old nature, we make the Holy Spirit's job harder. We make him work overtime. And he says, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Which, you know, here's what I thought. I thought, you know, the Holy Spirit, we don't talk about the Holy Spirit enough, do we? I thought... We need to pause this series and have a good conversation about the Holy Spirit. So I've invited Pastor Colin uh, to come and speak next Sunday on the Holy Spirit. He's our pastor of prayer here at Mariner's Church, an outstanding communicator, and he is passionate about the Holy Spirit. So next week, next Sunday, you got to come, bring some friends. He's going to teach us about the Holy Spirit. And what Paul tells us, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. He's here to help you. He's here to give you the power you need. He's here to empower you to be who God called you to be, right? So you got to make sure you're here next week. Next, Paul says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, along with any form of malice. Get rid of anything that is inconsistent with your new nature. When you find yourself doing those things, you go, what am I doing? I got to stop that right now. Why would I want to go back there? That's not who I am. And we stop ourselves probably a lot sooner than we have done in the past. And the more we do so, the easier it is to do because it becomes a practice. We change the way we think and everything flows from it. And lastly, be kind and compassionate and forgiving. Why? Because God has been kind and compassionate and forgiving towards us. We simply emulate what he has done for us unto others. And listen, when you say, well, I can't forgive. Well, I don't think it was easy for God to forgive either because he gave his one and only son. It was an expensive forgiveness. Grace is not cheap. So when we choose to forgive, oh, yes, it's costly. Don't expect it to be easy. It might be challenging to do. Oh, but it's so much in congruence to who we are. It reflects who we have been made to be. Lastly, out of Romans chapter 8, these words. The mind governed by the flesh, or our desires, is death. If we seek the old nature, we are seeking that which is already built for obsolescence. It leads to death. That's a relationship death of joy, death of peace, you name it. But the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. How many of us want to live and have peace? Anybody? And this beautiful picture of peace is wholeness. The mind governed by the Spirit experiences life, life to the fullest, fullness, wholeness. Let me go back to that centennial light as we close. Remember this bulb? Again, I mentioned that it has been burning since 1901 to this day in San Jose, California. It only produces one watt, which obviously we have done a better job with our light bulbs today. But in a very, very dark room, do you think that one watt changes the room? Yes, it does. Every time we live out our true nature, our new nature, 
every time we bring light into the world. And the world is in darkness, isn't it? We see it. We see the evil. We see the suicides. We see the violence. We see the racial conflicts. We see the injustices. That's darkness. But when we shine our light, we bring light to a darkened world. When we live out our faith, when we live out our new identity, it's like that light bulb that never goes out. And so as we respond to God today, my prayer for you and for me is we are ever more convinced to put off the old self, put off anything associated with that way of thinking and put on the new self, that everything that we do brings good, brings life, brings peace to ourselves, but also to others. Thank you again for listening. Make sure to learn more about Inez Franklin at www.inezfranklin.com. You can help share these teachings by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts and sending this episode to a friend. Make sure to follow Inez Franklin on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and more, where she is engaging with the community and inviting us to participate with God and his work together. Thanks again. Thanks again.